Welcome you back to your seats. We are going to pick up where we left off. As I alluded to earlier, we are still in the wake of Resurrection Sunday, following our Lord and the disciples and the lessons rich with insight and meaning and helpful ways that we can implement in our own hearts and lives uh, as we follow along here. And so let's ask the Lord for his help. Father God, as we consider these truths that weren't born on earth, but birthed in heaven and breathed upon us by the Holy Spirit, we acknowledge, God, that you brought us together to hear. Yes, it's a big group, but you know who's here, every person, and you know how many hairs on that person's head. And if you know the silly things about us, then you really know the important things, like why you brought us here. So change us, God, course correct us, comfort us. We're all undone in a lot of ways. We're incomplete, we feel it. But you've got something for us right now, something that could be life-changing. So open our eyes of our understanding, help us to hear, understand, and apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, they call it beginner's luck. Seems like a real thing when it comes to fishing. About 20 years ago, now I uh, had the opportunity to go with a bunch of men uh, from the last church we were at on a outdoor adventure, uh, and it was all about fishing uh, up there in Homer, Alaska, off the coast, an island called Saldovia. Trip of a lifetime, this crazy, breathtaking sights. From the moment you land in Anchorage, there, there's a moose on the uh, runway, you know, just so beautiful. You come up and see those mountains covered in snow, so wildlife, bear, mountain goats, eagles, just forget about it. It's just beautiful and all about the fishing. We're fishing in the streams, along the beach, the deep seas, everywhere. A puddle, they would stop and try to fish there. Now, I'm not a fisherman, right? But what happened was all these fishermen were going, and right the day before, one of them broke their ankle. And then they said, well, everything's paid off. We need a guy, you know? And maybe, how about, Ross, you want to come and be the chaplain of the group? And I'm like, yeah, of course. But turns out, even though I wasn't a fisherman, I was catching all the fish. <laughs> and at first it was hilarious, but then it became a little bit of a problem. And the way I found out about it was I kept bringing these big fish over to the cleaning station, right? To other guys, I don't do surgery on fish. I really don't do abdominal surgery and go, yeah, no, that's not for me. I'll catch them and then I give them to you to clean, right? And so I bring the fish over and he goes, listen, you. <laughs> he goes, you catch them, you clean them. With an attitude, I was like, oh, sorry. And then they started calling me Grizzly Reinman instead of Grizzly Adams, right? And so, yeah, I made a lot of friends and 
you know, but uh, that's the thing about beginner's luck. I don't know what I was doing, but whatever it was, uh, was working. Now, take the fisherman or the former fisherman. At least that's what Jesus thought. You're formerly fishermen, right? I called you away from that. Now you're going to be fishers of men. Done with this, and now we're moving you out of a secular job into the ministry, right? Mm, they're fishing back in that lake, casting the same nets. And so there's a problem with that, and I'll explain the uh, little bit of uh, what's going on. First, context-wise, uh, really, it's a fish story for sure, but really it has less to do with the fish in the lake and more to do with the guys in the boat, especially one of them. He's known for being a impulsive at times. His name begins with the letter P. Hmm. <laughs> How did you know that? Oh, so, uh, so here's the context. The Passover week is over there in Jerusalem. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to the disciples officially as the group uh, two times so far. Once on that first Sunday service where Thomas was not present. He was uh, doing home church or something else. And then the second Sunday night, Thomas was there. So that kind of keeps us straight with those two different services. And, and, and then now this will be the third time they're together. Well, most of them are together. Uh, it's time to go home after those couple weeks back to Galilee. You know, Jerusalem has now become, in the wake of Jesus' death and resurrection, kind of a hornet's nest. Everything's stirred up and the authorities are ready to kill people. I mean, they put Jesus to death. They're looking for Lazarus. They want to, the, the Bible says they want to kill him too because on account of his testimony, I once was dead, now I am living. God raised me into new life. They want to kill him too. And surely Peter, James, and John are on that list. And so it's time to move out of Jerusalem and go back to the hills of Galilee. And besides all that, Jesus rose from the dead and told them, I want you to go ahead. When you go home, I will meet you there in Galilee. And so the thing about it is he didn't say exactly where or exactly when. He just said, go and you'll see me there. And that tends to make some people a little bit antsy. And then uh, they act out. And that's what happened with one of the disciples, and it impacted uh, the others accordingly. So there they are. They're at home. They're waiting. <laughs> they're watching. And then this happens. Verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, is, uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's a, actually a lake, but only John calls it by that, that name. That's the region named after Mr. Tiberius. Uh, it happened this way. Here's how it went. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Twin. He's a twin, so they used to just call him, his nickname was Twin. <laughs> Uh, uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee is namely John, who's writing, and his brother James. And two other disciples. They're not going to be named. They were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. <laughs> 
So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Hmm, wonder why. Early in the morning, Jesus standing on the shore, but the disciples don't recognize it's him. Verse 5, he calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. That's one word we'll do. Somebody wants to know, did you catch anything? No. Done, right? He said, uh, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And they did. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Hmm. I was trying to say something there. Verse 7. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's an awkward nickname. He named himself that to draw attention away from him, but it backfired because everybody's like, what's up with calling yourself that? You know, uh, I'll explain it. It's not as bad or awkward as it sounds. <laughs> so the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. This is kind of backwards, but it's there for a reason, for he had taken it off. He jumps in the water, verse 8. The other disciples follow in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about the length of a football field. Verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Verse 10. Jesus says to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. That's kind of odd. It's there for a reason, because there's already fish there. Of verse 11, uh, Simon Peter climbs aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. You know, that's how God is. <laughs> they're not just any fish. They're big and fat and healthy. 153. So you know a fisherman is riding, because he wants you to know. how. Huh? You want to know how many? Ask us now. I'll tell you how many. 153. Counted every last one of them myself. <laughs> but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus says to them with a big smile, come and have some breakfast. Breakfast is served. And so we'll get situated here, see how it divides. We'll walk through, talk through. This is what we do, this amazing adventure. Shall we call it a misadventure? Because that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. But under the providence of God, even the missteps of a well-intentioned believer will be redeemed and worked for the glory of God. And that's the God we serve. He's for us. Who could be against us? Amen? And so, yeah, this particular fish story unfolds with three scenes. First, Peter's misstep. And it is a misstep. I'm sorry. It is. Come on. Man, Jesus told you, from now on, Peter, you'll be fishing for souls. You see? Mm. Yeah, it's a misstep. And so verses 1 through 3, we'll take a look at that. And then the disciples' quick obedience, they're learning a thing or two. They kind of catch on, oh, we've heard that voice. They don't really know exactly, but why they're doing it, they're obeying, and then boom, they understand that uh, to do things Jesus' way is really the better way to go. And then finally, we wrap up with the Lord's response to their obedience to his voice, the word of God. When you do things according to the word of God, boom, there's a merciful 
provision, there's comfort, satisfaction, and a whole lot of excitement, no matter what comes up at the net when you're in the will of God. And so let's go fishing all aboard. All right, there's room for you on a boat that usually held 12 or 13, right? Now there's seven of them. And uh, here are the opening verses. Let's walk through it. I'll explain the names and remind you who we're dealing with here in the book. So verse 1, some days after those first two Sunday gatherings, Jesus appears again to seven of them by the lake. And here's how it went down. Verse 2, Peter, Shimon, Shimon Peter, Shimon is his real birth Jewish given name. You remember back in the day, Shimon Perez? They're the same names. And so, yeah, Jesus changed it. It often was a thing that they did when they came to faith. Jesus helped him out there. Then Thomas. Why is Thomas in, in seat two of honor? Why does he get named right away? Because everybody's wondering, what's up with Thomas? Did he get over his whole doubting thing? His whole, you know, I'm not going to congregate thing? Oh, no. He's back with Team Jesus. He's restored. That's the the point why Thomas, the twin, is there in uh, seat number two. He's rebounded. Uh, Nathaniel, remember, he's uh, Philip's buddy. Philip is a good evangelist. He found the Messiah from Nazareth and tells Nathaniel, hey, Nathaniel, Nate, listen up. We, We found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And he says, can anything good come out of that place, Nazareth? Come on. And then Philip gives the great answer. He says, come and see. And so Nathaniel comes down the lane, and Jesus sees him, and Jesus says, now that's a true blue Jew, all right? Because he's saying, that's a real, he's a real Israelite. His heart's right, comparatively speaking, right? And so Nathaniel's like, uh, have we met? How do you know me? And he says, how do I know you? Come on, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you right there. And he goes, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus says, I love this. You believe already? Oh, he goes, Nathaniel, you're going to see a lot better than that. I just love these stories. So that's him. He's in the boat there. And then let's see who else is there. Oh, the sons of Zebedee are James and John, the writer of the gospel, and his brother James. And then two others. I'm not going to tell you who. Why? Well, because in the kingdom of God, there's the names we know, the guys who are always up front, you always hear about, you know about, and they're the, the people who are on the boat, same value, same worth to God, same impact, only... You're not going to know their names. They're going to serve in obscurity. But on that day, God will reward each person according to what they have done. And everybody will know in that day. But in this day, some just are faithful to serve without a whole lot of limelight experience. And, and, And God just sort of lets us know, hey, you know, I know who's in the boat, even if you don't know who's in there. God knows. And so, yeah, um, verse 3, don't you, uh, don't, don't know about you guys. Peter's all like, I'm done waiting around, just like trying to figure this out. I'm a little frustrated now, putting words in his mouth, of course. But uh, I'm going fishing. And six of the others chime in 
we're coming too. And so twilight falls, that's when you fish there on the lake. They work all night, and the nets come up empty. All right, so we're in. Peter's misstep, okay? Two steps forward, three steps back. You know how that dance goes. Uh, Peter's modeling it right now for us, uh, but we don't need a whole lot of lessons there because we know how that goes. Someone's got Nancy. When there's been a lot of drama, a lot of twists and turns in the story, and God isn't doing things exactly when you thought he would do them or how you thought he would do it and how you would prefer he do things, it's a real dangerous place because if you're given to impulsivity or self-centeredness or spiritual immaturity of any kind, boom, you'll be tempted to act out. And in this way, acting out means to go back to what's familiar. Sheesh, come on. Yeah, I know why he took me out of this thing, but listen, I'll tell you what, I know how to fish. I don't know how to do this disciple thing, you know? I denied him three times about like five days ago already. Maybe a little bit more than that, but it's fresh in his mind. I'm a failure. I can't find him. He said, go, you'll find me. I'll meet you there. Where is he? You know what? I'm going to do something I know how to do. I can get results fishing. And the Lord's like listening to this and has said, oh, can you? I'll show you exactly what you can get when you act in your own power and your strength without my blessing, Peter. So there is this thing that we want to go backwards to safety instead of going forward when we get our tails uh, ruffled, you know, tail feathers, I don't know. Something gets ruffled, right? Feathers, wherever they are, I don't care. (laughs) They get ruffled. So maybe you're wondering, you're saying, well, maybe you're being too strong. Where does it say in the Bible, thou shalt not go fishing? Maybe just trying to provide for his family. Give the guy a break. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The whole tone of the corrective conversation, the whole thing, everything we know from Peter's own mouth with the rich young ruler goes by and snubs Jesus calling and goes, we left everything like you said to do to follow you. We left the boats. We left the fishing. We left that life for complete consecration to you. Luke chapter 5. Similar story. How Peter got called in the first place and the guys They're sitting on the shore. They're lamenting that all night long they worked and caught nothing. He says, you know what, guys, go out there. Let the nets down. You'll find enough fish to feed the whole village. So he says, well, listen, Rabbi, (laughs) uh, even though you don't really know much about fishing, and I do, I'm going to do this anyway just because you said to. And he goes out, and boom. He falls in front. The two boats threaten to sink under that time of the catch. So he goes back to Jesus aware of, wow, you're the Lord. And he throws himself down at his feet. He says, go away from me. I'm sinful. You want nothing to do with a guy like me. And he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you won't be doing this anymore. It's not the fish with the scales. It will be fish called souls and people. That's it. You're leaving this. You're going here. So from Peter's own mouth, from the call that is in the narrative, uh, from the tone of the correcting and the conversation, from the no blessing, 
in the nets, we know this is not where Peter should be. But that's the thing. And here's what I want to say about just carelessly doing something out of frustration without praying or without thinking. And you say, I'm going back, I'm doing this. There's always somebody to say, we'll come too. We're following you. Dad, mom, when you make a misstep, you got kids in the boat. They follow. That's how it is. And so if you're a husband or a wife or a business owner, supervisor, or anybody who doesn't have somebody who looks to them, you'd be surprised. And then what do you got? You got correction coming for someone who truly loves the Lord. He disciplines everyone he receives as a son or daughter. And it says in Hebrews 12, and no discipline seems pleasant in the moment. Yeah. Well, it's one thing if you want to mess up your life and you bring down the paddle on yourself. But sadly, <laughs> others are in the boat like your kids. So over the years of ministry, I, my heart goes out to the kid, to the ch- children who are in the boat when one of the, the parents decided to go fishing for trouble. And up came some slimy green stuff and some poisonous, deadly, lethal critters that are no good for eating, but just for killing you. And they go looking for it. And who has to get the correction? Who's out in the moon, moonless night, in the cold, in the dark, in a hostile work environment where everybody's grumpy because they haven't eaten and they're not catching anything and the nets keep coming up over and over and over, empty, 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 empty. Who has to put up with that? Whoever, it's you and whoever followed you or is connected to you in your boat. So yeah, I'm not hurting anybody. Uh, Yeah, you're hurting the Lord, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting those who are connected to you. Always, a hundred times. How much better would it have been if he would have said, again, Nancy, I can't take this anymore. All this faith stuff. Faith, faith, faith. I'll beat you up there. Where? Oh, man. Hey, I'm going to go hiking and spend some time with the Lord in prayer. We'll go with you. Hmm. That might have been the way to go. But as I said, God's providence is over our lives and he'll take a misstep and he'll turn it into something beautiful where we all learn something and are edified. Well, yeah, so up comes the nets over and over again and you know know things are really ugly on that boat. If they bickered in the good times, oh, can you imagine? Oh, a fruit, the fruit of a self-directed life is an empty mess. But one writer put a really nice spin on this. He said, now listen, don't be fooled. Self-governing people can pull up the net and have all kinds of loaded stuff in their nets. But if God's not in it, their nets, the more important ones, the soul, the heart, the conscience, they will remain empty of joy, hope, peace, contentment that only Christ brings to those who take their cues from him. Yeah, so you can haul up, you know, a thousand fish, but outside the will of God, not a lot of joy there. And so by the way, not catching anything in the nets, you don't think that's a miracle too? That's a miracle. It's a reverse miracle. 
They're like, oh, I know how to do this, Lord. I've been doing this. My father was a fisherman, my grandfather and his father. And me, no one could catch fish like me. And Jesus has to remind the guy, remember in John 15, Peter, apart from me and my hand on your life, you can do nothing. Even what you think you're good at, it's only by God's grace unbeknownst to you that you even can do this the 85% you know we all think it's the 15% that we can't do that we can yeah for that stuff we really need Jesus he said apart from me you can do nothing and breathe you cannot breathe your heart cannot pump without me saying I got another reason to keep them here if we only knew how desperate we really are. And he has to get them to acknowledge that. How's it going for you without my blessing? How's it going for you going backwards instead of forward? How's it working for you? Just curious. That's the question. Catch anything. Well, no, here's the question. He says, friends, haven't you any fish? Here's a better, just closer to uh, modern English. He phrases it negatively. He says, you didn't catch anything, did you? That's what he's saying, exactly to them. And in a way that they'll know. He, you don't think the Holy Spirit's been dealing with him all night long? Every single time it came up with the green algae. It's like, Peter, Peter, apart from me, what are you doing? I didn't call you the fish for, for fish, remember? He's working it all night long. And so that voice, there's that voice. Hey, how's it going? Doing things on your own. Mr. Hardhead, hey, hey, can I have your attention? You didn't catch anything, did you? And, he, and they add, <laughs> no fisher person who's been out fishing with an empty bucket coming back to the car in the parking lot wants to meet anybody. <laughs> because everybody wants to know what's in the bucket. Everybody has to ask, get what you catch, you know? And so you're praying to God. Nobody's going to see you. You're going to get in the car. You're going to get home. And then if it's in the evening time, you are hoping that your wife is in bed asleep. <laughs> and you put your stuff away in the garage and you pretend it never happened. Because you do want to hear what you catch. And you have to say, and here it is. Did you catch anything? No. One word answer. No. But he has to bring us, them, to a place where we understand our poverty without his blessing. It's a confession. No, Lord, I didn't really catch a whole lot without doing it your way. And so, yeah, he has his ways. He had to kind of, he has to kind of tenderize us. Right? Have you ever tenderized a piece of meat? <laughs> That's not pretty. We have a tenderizer in our drawer, kitchen drawer. It's a mallet. It's metal. And it's got like little sharp things on it. And when you have a piece of meat that's thick, <laughs> and you can't get much through it, you lay it out. And you take the tenderizer and you say, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Is that enough? No, I still don't get it. Boom. <laughs> oh, a little thinner. 
you're going to get a little uh, action there, yes. And so that's what he's doing. And every time the net comes up and you've been working and straining and frustrated, he says, it's not over there, is it? Boom. Right. Yeah, let me give you a quick example of this. Um, Pastor Joe, before he was Pastor Joe here, he went to Bible college, had this calling of God on his life. And... uh, loves the Lord. He's such an evangelist. He's crazy gifted. And I ran into him and he's like, I'm going here, I'm going here. And kind of, kind of sensed that he kind of lost his way after Bible college. He was up here kind of, I think I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going, okay, all right. And so I ran into him once standing right there and he looked so dazed. And I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, ah, ah. He goes, I'm in fire academy. I'm just doodling. I'm bored. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm like, duh. (laughs) I said to him, listen, man, do you want to save people from a temporary flame or do you want to rescue the souls of men from the eternal fires? And I saw his face go, whoa. (laughs) And then a few days later, he knocks at my door and he says, can we talk? You know, yeah, we could talk. But see, he, Jesus has to, he wants to get the best bang out of his buck with you. And if that means you're supposed to be a firefighter or a hairdresser or a carpenter, then do it for him and you'll be blessed and the nets will be full. And the hairdresser is praying over every person, God, every fish that comes to her net. Prays over them shares the gospel, points them in the direction of life. See, but God will show you you're cold, 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 getting warmer, getting warmer, getting warmer, and then the tug, boom, you nailed it. This is what I got for you in this life. He's our maker. He knit us together in our mother's womb for his purpose to do good works in Christ. We have nothing to do with getting here. We didn't design ourselves. We didn't purpose our lives. We have not a clue why we're here until he says, this is why I made you. I want to bring the gospel into this part of the world through you. And so he does that so wonderfully. The paraphrase here is at dawn, the Lord is on shore. The disciples have a hard time recognizing him post-resurrection. He calls out, hey, guys, <laughs> negatively fresh. Didn't catch much, huh? How's it working for you? And they're like, go away. And then verse, <laughs> verse 6, uh, he says, try casting starboard. You'll hit the jackpot. And they do it, and they can't. They don't have the strength to haul up the net because it's so packed. So, yeah, now they're, they're learning. Uh, one note I want to make to you is that they don't see him. They're in a little bit of a funk. They're kind of out of it. They took a wrong turn, as it were. But guess what? Jesus sees them. Jesus knows where they're at. Jesus is ready to comfort and guide them and direct them to blessing. He didn't forsake them just because they're off course a little bit. We all get off course, and we all think, oh, well, he's left us for sure because I deserve it. And he's like, are you kidding me? I had my eye on you the whole time. From the moment you thought about going fishing to the boat, to who was in the boat, I've been watching and now I'm here not to condemn you, 
but to restore you, to redeem you, to help you, to reinstate you. So listen to my voice. Try it this way. He could have said that way, this way, underway, anyway, but just the prompt. Follow the prompt of the word of God and you're going to come out a winner. And so certainly they're feeling deja vu because I said in Luke chapter 5, this is how they called it. And look at how beautiful. It started here. I spoke to you once. When you first came to know me, we settled it, right? You knew clearly this is not going to work. I've got something else for you, right? And so let's go back to the beginning. And that's what he does. He takes them full uh, circle. And so when those nets get uh, filled because they're obeying the voice, they haven't even really, I would say this, that subliminally in their spirits, from the tone of his voice, from the Holy Spirit's work all night, from tenderizing them through the failure, through their admission, no, we didn't, we're coming up short. And he probably muttered just like God said I would, you know? But then they hear that voice. Like, how did you even know there'd be no, is this what? So their hearts are obeying before their minds can actually cognitively understand that it's him. You know, I, and then it's always afterwards and the, and the net goes boom and, the, and your whole world goes, oh, there it is. Then you look back and go, oh, the Lord, right? He used that. He used that person. He used that voice. There it was, right? That's how it works. But let me tell you that when it comes to a big thing, and this was a big thing, should I go back and just be a fisherman or should I do what God's called me to do? He will never leave you second guessing. With a big thing, look for it because he will bring what I call the Holy Spirit tug. The net goes just boom. When those fish that weighed a ton, I did the math, 153 well-fed fat tilapia, one ton, 200 pounds. It's a lot of weight. And that boat, the boat went, right? And lesson taught, everybody was like, dots connecting. It's Lord, oh, my word, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. No, I didn't say go backwards. I said go forward. Remember, leave the fish, go for the souls. The whole thing was happening right there. That's how God is. He will always let you know this is the way, walk in. And one of my favorite verses in Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this voice behind you. This is the way. This is the way. I'm the light of the world. Whoever believes in me, you're not going to walk in darkness. If you're seeking an answer, he will boom you so good that you will know this is the one I should marry. My word. The things he did for Barb and I to know that we were supposed to be together forever <laughs> as long as we were breathing air. Oh, my word. The boat was like, but going to drown me. You're going to drown me because he just does that. Some people say, well, why doesn't he do that with me? I would just ask are you listening? Are you looking? Is the radar on every day? Are you like open so that you would hear it? Yeah. So big decisions always. Can I throw one big decision, fish story, tug, boom, story into your life? Oh, fine. I'm not going to. Nope. 
too late. All right, you know. So I'm like, I don't fit in at the last church anymore. I'm like, what am I doing? It's not working. I've outgrown my usefulness here. The Lord's like, start a church. I'm like, oh, I could never be a senior pastor. People couldn't handle me every Sunday. I'm the special speaker guy. That's what I did my whole ministry. It's like, oh, come in, make them laugh, be crazy. Aha, uh-huh, you're like an entertainer, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that, that's me. But every Sunday, no, they couldn't handle it, you know? And so, but yeah, the Lord's like, I want you to be a pastor. Boom, he, he made it clear. But so, someone in leadership didn't think that I should go to Sebastopol compared to Petaluma. And there was a great problem about it. Though God had confirmed many ways, go to Sebastopol, start in Sebastopol. I began to get worn out by it, and it was affecting our relationship. And then he offered a year's salary to go somewhere else. And I said, you know what? Fine, this is on you. This is on you and God. And uh, I'm going to submit and come under. And when I said that, <laughs> I could goosebumps here. A scripture went through my head, an obscure scripture from 2 Kings 16, where one man of God tells the other man of God, Are you sure God said that? And the other man says, Yeah, I'm sure. And this guy says, Well, God told me that. And then this guy goes, Okay. <laughs> and he ends up dead. But I just was thinking about it like, Well, it passed through my mind. So the night before I went to seal the deal, I'm at uh, home. I had hair at the time, so Barb was cutting it. <laughs> She's cutting my hair, and I get a phone call. And I take it from a very close friend. This is the night before I was going to just sign the papers and do the deal. And the voice, I can't hear from all the clutter. Right? And I'm like, repeat yourself. He's going to do a Bible study at work tomorrow. And God has laid on my heart the story about, and boom, in my heart, in my head, it's the two men of God before he opened his mouth. And he says, it's about the two men of God. One guy is, a, is just like, I looked down at my knees before God, and they were shaking. My knees were shaking from what he was doing to me. God. I hung up the phone, and Barb goes, who is that? And I said, we're going to Sebastopol. <laughs> so in the morning, I went and met with the guy, and I said, i got to tell you a story. All right, I'll come under, but I'm not going to be eaten by no lion for, because of you. And he goes, I totally understand that. You can go with my blessing. And so I ended up going to Sebastopol instead of Sonoma. But I was that close to going to Sonoma. I had already told people we're going to Sonoma. I made some plans and been to Sonoma, looked at some buildings. And so, listen, when you got a question and the nets are out there and you're like, God, fill the net, man. I got to hear from you. He goes, boom, you know. Then you act on it and you're blessed. Amen? We need to quickly move to... Uh, what God's doing here. Well, let me see. Yeah, there we go. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved. Let's go with that. So John, as I said, now as we move from Peter's misstep 
to obedience, <laughs> to his merciful response here. He describes himself as the beloved disciple. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want to go anonymous. I don't want to call attention to myself being one of the 12. Wow. And when I think of myself as one of the three, wow. Or I think of myself as a writer of scripture, John's gospel, 1 John 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, the book of Revelation, through the vessel of John, this John. He says, when I think of all of this, honor and achievement and all of this. Here's what I want people to know about me. Jesus loves me. Wow. I'm loved by God. That's who I am. You want to know who I am? He loves me. That's the heart of this. So he nicknamed himself the one, if you can believe, that God actually loves. This is his idea here. And so, yeah, we got this response. The Lord has made his point. He he, he he gave the scripture or he, whatever he did, what he does for you as well. He made his point. Time for comfort, renewal, warmth, clothes drying out, pull up by the just breakfast. Who doesn't love a warm breakfast, amen? After, after a night like that, by the fire with the Lord and a smile. Oh, man. And so and John blurts it out, surely, what the others were thinking. And Peter takes a dramatic dive. Now, for our way of thinking, and the King James really uses all the wrong words here because he's being so literal, the editors there. Uh, listen, uh, he took his shirt off. He's in shorts, really. That's the idea. He's fishing in shorts. He's out on the lake, right? Instead of becoming that and diving in, he's putting something on. And so commentators are saying it's because this whole narrative really has to do with restoring his heart from shame. He needs to cover up. Normally, you don't put something on and then dive into the water, right? But when you're ashamed because the Lord's involved, you want to try to cover up. But he's like, and the other thing commentators point out, they like to point out, is this. Peter is the one who jumps off, and he, and they are stuck with the hard work of rowing in all of the fish. And so some of them were probably thinking, hey, I would like to have a, a pass on doing the hard work and just getting to jump in the water and have my own little private time with Jesus while we do the hard work. And you know, that's part of it. And one writer said once again, along the same truth about having two unnamed disciples in the boat, uh, there's special reward waiting for those who are content to help others shine at the expense of their own interest, convenience, or their own accolades, i.e. my wife. My wife has let Peter dive in. Oh, look at me with my dramatic stories, and I'm up front all the time. Pastor Ross, Pastor Ross, Pastor Ross. And only God knows that everything that I've ever accomplished is because I'm Ross and Barb, right? That's not in my notes, but it's going to get me a hug afterwards. <laughs> and that's what's important. I want to point out one more thing that's unbelievable here is, is that 
the charcoal fire that Peter pulls up alongside. He might have put on the brakes like this when he realized, oh my word, the charcoal fire, Jesus and me alone together. The word charcoal fire that's used there is only used twice in the entire Bible. Once the charcoal fire that Peter warmed his hands by when the servant girl said, I could have sworn I saw you. No, no, I'm not his disciple. Number two, hey, yeah, you are. You were with the guys in the garden, the chop chop with the ear. Yeah, that was you, right? No, not me. I don't know the guy. Number three, he called down curses, Mark 16, on himself, meaning may God strike me if I know this man, because I don't. It was by a charcoal fire. And now the same word. He's by the fire. Warming is that, oh, there he is. It's all fresh. He's covered up because of it. And the Lord probably is like, Peter, private moment, restoration, comforting, smiles, lots of, we don't know exactly. There's a little bit of conversation coming, but, um, Yeah, we don't know all the intimate, repetitive sobbing and crying, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and Peter, Peter, come on. I told you it was going to happen. I saw it. And I'm with you still, right? I told you. You said, oh, I'll never in a million years. All these losers around the table, they'll do it, but I won't do it. But I told you, Peter, at the table, you're going to do it. You're going to do it three times. Even the cock-a-doodle-doo part, I, I, I told you, right? But he said, don't you remember what I told you? Satan is after your soul. He wants to sift you like wheat, but don't worry. I pray for you. You bounce back. A righteous person falls seven times. You got up. You're here. You're restored, man. I went to the cross for stuff like that. Come have breakfast. And here's the part the miracle people forget. The word John uses for Peter goes, do you not notice the miracle? He goes back to the boat and then Peter hauls it in. Peter hauls it in. How does that happen? That's a miracle. Why? Because John's using words to tell you what's going on. The word is, he didn't drag it. He drew it. And the only other time before this that John uses the word is, I will be lifted up and I will draw all men to me. The net, all men will be drawn to me. No man can come to me unless the Father draws him. And now John uses that word to show Peter drawing, same word, in all of those fish to Jesus because he asked for it. Why would he ask for fish when he's got them on the fire? It's because of this point. Peter, let's get back to drawing in the real catch. And then 50 days later, it's Peter who stands up on the day of Pentecost where everybody's saying, are you guys drunk? What's to tongues? You're all babbling on like idiots. He says, oh, no, no, no. He takes his net and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, these men are not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning and the Holy Spirit fills him. And now he's in a sweet spot. And he preaches the gospel and he hauls in not 153 scalies, critters, but, uh, but 3,000 hell 
bound sinners into the master's net and draws them in because he's doing what he's supposed to do, following the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for your great love. We find ourselves in several places here in the story. We leave it to you, Holy Spirit, to apply these truths to our hearts, seal them, and help us in the hours and days to come to put these truths and insights into practice that we might be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.